what comes to your mind when you hear the word parenting? Hard work. Mm. Hard work. But such a privilege mm. to be able to be a parent. It's my favorite years, and the Lord blessed us with three wonderful children. And Grandkids? Six yes. of them. Great grandkids? One. One. Wow. Right. And we love them all. Oh, that's great. And the little great-grandson is just a year old, and he walked into our, our daughter's house, which would be his grandmother this week, and he saw my picture there, and he says, Gramps, hi. <laughs> you ever had a, have a time where it was a little tough parenting? My, my youngest son, he had a very good friend, and they were playing football, just yard football, you know, and he tackled him, and his leg actually got broken. And he just so, felt so terrible bad, you know. And it was affecting him, you know. And then uh, his mother took him right over to that boy's house, you know, and visited with his parents and everything and, and said how, you know, that it was strictly an accident, you know, it was just part of the game, you know. But, uh, and that, that, rang a bell with me too, that mother did just exactly what he needed at that particular day, you know? Right. Those kind of things you're, you don't forget so quick. Right. But, but for us, so, uh, but we had our difficulties, believe me. Right. With teenagers, I think everybody struggles with that. Yeah. But they all turned out to be all fine. What kind of person would want to work with teenagers for a living? <laughs> <laughs> Well, good morning, Central. It is my privilege to be here this morning, and I want to thank you for this opportunity. I thank Craig and I thank Steve uh, for the kindness and allowing me to speak today. Certainly, this is the place where the Lord began the ministry that Jane and I uh, had here and then now have moved to Winning at Home. And this is a place my children, there they are sitting as adults, but they were kids running around this place. And I want to just say thank you for the investment you made in our family, and I trust today uh, the Lord will bless the words I say to encourage parents. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms. Uh, this is the first Mother's Day that I have preached since my mom passed away. And I take a moment just to honor her. She, uh, as I was thinking of her this morning, I was thinking of the investment she made in my life. And so many of you in this room have moms who prayed for you, loved you, cared about you. And so today, I, like you, join uh, thanks to the Lord for a mom who prayed for me and loved me. And I know you have that same gratitude for your moms. And so I just want to thank those moms who have been faithful over the years, over the years. And of course, today, there are many of you in here who are moms. Uh, some of you are loving right now that your kid's in the nursery. It gives you a little break for a few minutes. Uh, some of you have... Teenagers, some of you have adult children, and so congratulations wherever you are as a mother. I pray today you feel loved by your family and loved by the Lord. Also, some of you want to be moms, and you haven't been able to do that yet. And our prayer for you as a church, as a fellowship, as people, is the Lord will give you his peace today and his grace today and continue to watch over your life uh, right where you are. Well, I'm joining in the middle of this little uh, series, Fortune Cookie Series. As you know, we talk about just break it open. There's a little snippet in a fortune cookie. I did that yesterday. 
And in Proverbs, the Psalms and Proverbs, which I've studied pretty extensively. In fact, I use Psalms and Proverbs a lot in my devotions. I remember the first time I took a verse a day, or I actually stayed with that verse until it really meant something to me, or the Lord showed me something for that verse, and then I would go to the next verse. It took me seven years in my personal devotions to go, to Psalm and Pro- to go through Psalm and Proverbs because there's such good snippets in there. And in Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, the Word of God, one of those little fortune cookie-sized sentences is, by wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it's established. By knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love that little verse. And every parent in here today probably wants your children to grow up and love the Lord. You want to set an example of that, and that's what we're going to talk about in the course of this morning. We're going to talk about parenting and raising your children to honor and love the Lord. And one of the things I want to start with is this. Um... No matter where your kid is right now, even if they're 52, or they're 2, or they are 17, or 29, and they may be in the service this morning, great. They may be in another country this morning, great. They may be wayward today. I won't say great to that, but those of you who are sitting here who have a wayward child right now, I want to tell you something that is huge. Make sure in some way, in some form, You stay in relationship with them. I see so many parents who, if a child does this, they cut them off. Uh, I have never cut my children off. I don't always agree with my children, but I don't cut them off. Uh, My wife, Jane, stayed in close contact through some years that were challenging with our children. And I want to tell you that connecting point, and it might be that some days you say, Dan, I don't know what to connect to. Hey, it might be some days you have to look and go, I like your socks. It might be you got to find something that you can relate to, but it's so important. I want to tell you where this little idea came to me. Uh, I was looking out my window, and uh, up and down my street, these kids were riding up and down the street on this thing uh, that looked like a skateboard, but it's not a skateboard. If you're a young parent, what is it called? A ripstick. A ripstick. So I see these kids out in my neighborhood riding this ripstick. It's kind of, it looks like a skateboard with two wheels on it, and I, I said to Jane, I said, I... I got something I want for Christmas this year. And she said, what's that? I said, I'd like a ripstick. She's like, well, what is it? I said, that thing those kids ride. And she's like, you really want that? I'm like, I really do. So at Christmas, as we were opening our gifts, uh, I got to my gift and, you know, I knew what it was because it had the right shape and I opened it up and and it was a ripstick. And I remember the kids are like, "What's, what's that, dad? I'm like, it's a ripstick. They're like, well, we know what it is. What's it for? I'm like, it's for me. You're going to ride it? I said, I'm going to try. And so I remember at Christmas, Jane gave me this thing, and I, I brought it with me this morning, sitting over here. I brought it, and I laid it by the cross. That's the proper place you'd lay one of these things. <laughs> and I, I got on this thing. I remember I was out in the garage, and Jane, she was standing holding on to me. You remember this, honey? She was out in the garage with me, and I got on it, and I was like, well, this is weird. This feels weird. And then after a little while, I began to work on it, and I pushed away, and sure enough, I got it. It's hard to ride on the carpet, but I got it going, and, and I'm able to ride this thing. And I want you to know, I ride it around the neighborhood now, and I, there are young moms who come out of their houses going, you go, Dan, you go. <laughs> and even kids now will come to our house. Our kids will come to our house and go, hey, Mr. Seawarn, can Mr. Seawarn play? Because I can ride a ripstick. <laughs> and the reason I'm relatable Watch this, is because I went to their level. I went to where they're at. If you want to hang out with a seven and eight year old these days, you need to kind of be able to do this. 
And I want you to tell, to tell you today as parents, whatever stage your children are in, stay, and I'm not telling you to go get one of these and try to ride it, don't, don't do that, but stay relatable. So often I think as parents, we miss that. And I'm going to tell you a story today that it's, it's kind of an odd one. We don't usually think of, when we, when we hear, hey, there's a parenting sermon coming, we don't think, oh, I know who this will be about, Joseph and Mary. We don't pick them. That's not, a, that's not who we think of as a parenting couple because for Pete's sake, they had Jesus as their baby. I mean, how hard is that? You know, give me Jesus and I'll be a good parent too. That's what we think. But it might not have been as easy as you thought. I want you to stop, in second, stop for a second and think about how hard would it have been to relate to a lot of the things he went through in life. And what's really odd for us um, is we only have one story from Jesus being a little baby, Luke 2 story. From there, we only have one story between that age, infancy, and when he turned 30. Only one story representing all those years. It would be nice to have a ton of stories, but we get one. And today I'm going to tell you that story. You know the story, at least as I start telling it, you'll probably remember the story. If you're here and you're a guest today or maybe you don't attend church a lot, it's a great little story and you're going to connect with it. Thank you for coming. Those of you watching online, greetings. I see the red light. Greetings to all of you watching online. So this story is about Joseph and Mary taking Jesus to a festival. We just had tulip time yesterday. Everybody went downtown. Well, back in that day, they had festivals too. No elephant ears, but they had festivals. So this particular festival is called the Feast of the Passover. It's a festival that lasted about eight days. It was in Jerusalem. And wherever you lived in the vicinity, you would travel and you would walk to, didn't have cars, right? You would walk to the festival. This took a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy. And Joseph and Mary did it every time. The Bible says they were faithful to attend the Feast of the Passover. So I'm just going to tell you the story. Joseph and Mary loaded up with all their friends and relatives. They would go as communities, those who would choose to go. Sometimes wives didn't go, but Mary was very devout in her Jewish faith, and she would go with Joseph. So Joseph and Mary and Jesus, along with all the other group of people from their town, let's just pick Drenth today. The old community of Drenth decide we're going to head over for the feast of, and they would walk as a community to it. Took several days' journey. Now, just think about preparation for that. You need food, you need food for your kids, all that stuff. So they walked. They went to the Feast of the Passover. The Bible says they did it, attended all the customs of the day. Jesus was turning 12, which is the first year Jewish boy could actually participate in the customary traditions of the feast. So he did that. The feast was over, and they headed back home. So here you are. Let's just say you walked to, let's pick Detroit. You went to Detroit, and the Bible says they left Detroit, started coming back to Holland, and they had gone a full day's journey. Now, we drive today, so let me put this in perspective. That would be you guys leaving the Carolinas. It takes about a day to drive from the Carolinas. That's where my parents live. I can get home in one long day. It would be me and Jane in the car, got the kids. We get in the car. We drive from the Carolinas, and the Bible said they had gone a full day's journey, and they realized Jesus is missing. So that would be me and Jane driving all the way from Carolina. It's her turning around when we finally get to Holland going, have you seen the kid? That's there? One of our kids isn't here. 
I try to put you in the story to show you Joseph and Mary's life was pretty normal. It was filled with some challenges. You'd think of all the people in the world that wouldn't get lost, Jesus. But he's lost. The Bible says they begin to go around among their family and friends going, y'all seen Jesus? Has anybody? And this wasn't weird because as a group, they were walking. So they all knew, hey, our particular, the Drenth group, let's head out. And Jesus is 12. Come on, 12 years old. They ought to know what's going on. Get with your group. But he didn't. So Joseph and Mary begin searching among their relatives and friends and can't find him. Now, the Bible says that they said, okay, we got to walk back and find him. So they begin to walk back a day, a day's walk. No phones, no texting. You're not going up to somebody and saying, have you seen a picture? There's no pictures. They're just walking back, the two of them walking back to get Jesus. I'm, I'm just asking you today, if you're a couple here and you left your child at Myrtle Beach and you got all the way to Holland and you found out you got to turn right around and drive back because you're going to drive through the night to get down there. How's that conversation going in the car? <laughs> Normal people. Don't you think somebody, you know, Joseph looking at Mary going, I thought, hey, I remember telling you, make sure all the kids were with us. I can see Joseph looking at Mary and saying something like, do you realize there's a chance we might have lost the Savior of the world? I mean, come on, this is crazy stuff. And they get all the way back. Now, where would you go if you got back and you didn't have your child? You would go start looking in the place in that particular day that the 12-year-olds hung out. You wouldn't go to the temple. That's where Jesus was. But they must not have gone to the temple right away. The temple was about three-quarters of a mile of a little circle. So they could have gone through that little area and looked for him. They didn't go there first, obviously, because they didn't find him for three days. Count them. Three days, the Bible says they did not find him. I'm just asking you as a parent today, if your child's missing, are you sleeping good those nights? Here's another really interesting question to me. Um, have any of you ever prayed for something for your child and that thing didn't happen like the way you... L listen to me for a second. Wouldn't you think of all the parents who have ever been born in the history of the world, the one set that if they prayed would have a direct link to God in heaven would be Jesus' mom and dad. After all, they're walking around with his kid. <laughs> Don't tell me that Joseph and Mary on one of those nights didn't pray, God in heaven, can you show us where your son is? <laughs> they didn't get a direct, I would have been like, hey, GPS him, like, let a light. You, hey, you floated loaves of bread for a while. Put one in the air and we'll go find it. Put it over him. Nothing. So some of those days, parents, when you feel like God's not answering your prayer, Joseph and Mary had that same feel. We don't think about that very often, but I mean, it's Jesus after all. Here's the obvious thing. All of us in here who had 12-year-olds, wouldn't you think the 12-year-old at some point would go, wonder where my parents are, and ask somebody to pass it on? Didn't seem like he cared because when they found him, he's sitting in the temple doing his thing. That's what 12-year-olds do. 12-year-olds do their thing, and you almost have to remind them, I'm over here. Oh, you are? Because life's kind of going my way these days, and Jesus was normal 12-year-old. He was doing what he was called to do on this earth. And I want to show you what happened. So Mary walks in there and sees Jesus in the temple. And let's, let's just all be honest. That was an odd place to find him. You say, well, no, it's not for Jesus. I'm just saying, 
I, I'm guessing for most of y'all, if y'all lost y'all 16-year-old, y'all ain't driving over here to church to see if he's hanging out in the parking lot first. It's just not, you know, 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds aren't usually lost at church. And here's Jesus hanging out at the temple, talking with the Jewish scholars. And the Bible says in Scripture, it says that the teachers there of the law, they were amazed at Jesus' answers. So the teaching style in that day would have been kind of like me standing up here saying, hey, what do y'all think about the second coming of Christ? And then one of you standing up and responding back to me. And then me giving you a scripture and then going back. That's what they would have been doing. Jesus talking back and forth with the leaders. And, and the leaders were amazed. And then the same little passage says, but Mary, when she saw him, the word wasn't amazed. When Mary saw him, she was astonished. Not the same amazement, not going, wow, look what he said. Uh-uh. Let me read it to you in the message. Here's what the message says. When Mary saw him, uh, she was not impressed and her feelings were hurt. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. Normal parents. I want you to see this. You say, I could have raised Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if you could have or not. It would have been very challenging. But I want you to see something else. Mary looked at him and said, hey, Jesus, it's, it's time to get your stuff together. We need to go. And the Bible says Jesus went with his mother and father. Now I want to show you something. If there was ever a child, 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15, 16, who had the authority to say, Mom, I'm not going with you because I got a bigger purpose on this earth, it was Jesus. And I want you to see something. The fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. Now, I'm going to tell you what that means in just a couple of uh, minutes. Because so many times we as parents think it means do what we tell you to do. That's not what it means. But at this point in his life, Jesus needed to be submitted to his parents' authority because he was still in their home. And every student needs to understand this and hear this today. When your parents are over you and an authority over you and they ask you to do something, out of respect and honor to Christ, you do it. Because Jesus could have said, Mom and Dad, I'm not going. I'm staying here and teaching. But he left with them. It could have been a leader even said, Can you leave him a while longer? His teaching is powerful. Nope, he's going home. And Jesus went home. He would come back later and blow that temple away. But for that day, he went home. And so as we look at the life of Christ, as we look at his mom and dad, I want to show you a few things. I call them little parenting principles from Mary and Joseph. And I want you to see how you're doing with them in your life. Moms and dads, just ask yourself these questions. Simple little principles. Here's the first one coming up on the screen. Don't allow your children's behavior to determine yours. Joseph and Mary still conducted themselves as parents. I don't think on the way home, that walk, they were losing it with Jesus. I think they were saying, hey, Jesus, we know we don't fully get what you're on this earth for because they didn't. And I want to remind some of you parents sitting in here today, you do not understand the full capacity of what your children will do, even for the Lord, way past you, way past you. Don't forget, you can't see the big picture. You can see your life because you're in it. But you can't see your children's life yet. And you need to, as a parent, maintain control through all the things you face. Now, I'm standing up here. When I was youth pastor here at Central, and those kids on that front row were little kids, I got to tell you, I was a father who didn't always have control. I'm an honest teacher, an honest preacher. Um, I lost it. I would lose it with the son who's sitting right there. His name's Alan, sitting right on the front row today. Um, that boy, that boy is a challenging boy. 
I love him. He's awesome. He preaches for the Lord now. But back when he was five and six and seven, I thought he had a shot at being Hitler. And that kid was, he was strong. That boy was strong. He was, uh, he was assertive. He was right. He knew what he knew was right. And he would stand toe to toe. He never went wayward and those kind of things, but he was uh, a challenging boy. And I remember as he hit the teen years, um, you know, his bedroom was, was uh, downstairs for a while and me and him would get into it. And one of the ways when we get into it, we just kind of elevated each other. And I remember we would elevate each other and, and one of those occasions occurred, probably he was probably 15, 16. And I remember Jane coming to me and watching us, watching me lose it. And she just came up to me one day after Alan had left and gone down to his room or something. And she said, Dan, I want you to know, this is when I was youth pastor here at Central kind of time in life. And she said, I want you to know, um, it was really hard to tell who the adult in the room was. She said, when, when you're talking with Alan, I can't tell who the adult is. In other words, I'm out of control. Now, I stop for a moment and just ask all your parents in the room, how are you doing with that? Are you a yeller? You scream? Do you look like Jesus or more like someone else? And I remember saying to Jane, this is going to change. I'm not, I'm not going to grow up and be in the yelling father. My kids there have seen me yell before, and, and that's embarrassing. I don't want to be that kind of dad. I don't, I don't think they've seen me yell in a while. I, just, I, don't, I don't lose it like I used to, and here's why. I went to Jane after that, and I said, baby, we're going to start something new. I said, I talk about parenting. I'm a youth pastor. We got to change. I got to change something. And I said, we're going to make a new rule. The next time I'm losing it like that and I'm yelling and I'm out of control, I want you to walk up in the scene, walk onto the scene with me and Alan, whatever. Walk on the scene, put your hand on my shoulder and say, Dan, go to your room. <laughs> I said it to her, walk, it's going to be embarrassing as heck. But walk up, put your hand on my shoulder and say, Dan, go to your room. So it didn't take long. We had a chance to practice this right away. And, and <laughs> I still remember the day. I remember I was standing and Jane came up and Alan and I were going at it. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, Dan, it's time for you to go to your room. And I remember Alan going, ooh. <laughs> and I remember wanting to take him down. I mean, it was not fun. Um, that, I had to have that happen uh, two or three times. Two or three times I stopped. Because I go to my bedroom, and it is not fun to be in the bedroom and hear him out there going, Mom, you got him. That was awesome. <laughs> and I'm in the bedroom just, Ugh. And I got control of it. Parents, parents, listen to me. When you're working with your children, it's important that you can tell who the parent is. Joseph and Mary maintained control even when they didn't feel like it. And then secondly, as your children begin to grow in life, allow them to be God-led and not parent-manipulated as they move into their career path. Uh, I have three adult children sitting here now on this front row. Uh, I don't make the decisions for them anymore. Listen very carefully. A lot of parents here in West Michigan, you, know, you guys know we have an office over here. This year we'll have 16,000 appointments at that office. And I'm telling you, a lot of those appointments are for kids whose parents won't let them go. I talked to a lady two weeks ago. My mother-in-law tries to run my home. 
I, I, I'm a good, she is a good mom. I know she's a good mom, great mom. Jane knows her well, so I know a lot more about her life. She's a great mom, but not exactly the way the mother-in-law wants it to go. And so she's constantly interfering and interposing and putting all her ideas and all her thoughts and putting all this pressure on her. And I want to say to all parents in this room, listen to me. There's, there's a thing we do fishing. We call it teach and release. And I want to tell you that same thing today. I'm a catch and release. And I want to tell you with parents, teach and release. Train up your child in the way they should go. Heard it over and over and over. There's a little, another little fortune cookie idea. Train up your child in the way they should go. But they don't like where they're going. Not your choice. Not your call. I bet you did some things as you became an adult that your parents didn't like either. And when they told you, I don't like what you're doing, you might have listened to them, but you did your thing. So, but then they're not following after the Lord. You don't get to make that decision. Teach and release. You say, you're saying this very forceful. Because mm-hmm, I had to learn this. Oh, I'm so thankful the Lord has brought all our children back home. For, for me, you guys didn't see it. But on the last song, when I knew all my children were sitting on that front row, I have been sitting down there crying, crying partly for my wife too, because for her, to have all her children sitting by her today. It's a blessing. There was a time that didn't happen. And so it's a pretty special Mother's Day for my wife today. And I will tell you, in the middle of those times when I had to let go, it was very painful and hard. But you let your children go so God can work with them. They're God's kids before they're your kids. And I want to show you something. Joseph and Mary, listen to me, at 33, they had to let that little boy go. Oh, you said little boy. And in Mary's heart, he still was. She had one of the most painful letting goes you can ever imagine, moms. And she did it. And I say to you today, teach and then release. Your children get to make their own decisions. They get to deal with the consequences of their own decisions. But your job as a parent is to keep setting that example that you love the Lord. I had to make a decision. I love preaching. I hope today when I get done preaching, you go, he's still got a fire in his belly because I will tell you there's a new fire inside me in the last couple of years. It's beyond belief how much I look forward to preaching. And during some of those challenging times, I kind of thought about quitting. I considered other things. And then the Lord kind of reminded me, whoa, whoa, I called you to preach the word of God for me. You don't stop doing that. I remember the day I said to Jane, maybe I need to do something else. And she said, is that your idea or is that God's idea? I said, that's my idea. She said, well, get your butt back up there and preach because God's not done with you yet. And I say to you today as parents, um, Don't try to manipulate your children to get them where you think. Guide them. I still do. I I still do all the time. You can ask them. I'll say, hey, you guys loving the Lord? Growing in the Lord? And I'm done after that. I don't try to tell them where to go to church. I don't tell them how to go to church. I don't tell them when to go to church. Because you know what? If they want to go to church, it's their call. It's not mine. Some parents not liking this today because you made your kids come here. And and I wanted to say to you, if your child is sitting in the pew and the reason they're sitting by you is because you forced it, I don't know that they're in the best place to totally receive the Lord's guidance. And I might get some letters from this. I understand I might. And I'm just going to pass them right on to Craig and Steve because (laughs) 
This is very godly and very holy teaching because you are not, you are not responsible for your children's decision as they become adults. That is their decision. You teach them, you release them to the Lord, and you pray for them, which is exactly what my mom is the reason I, I put a picture of my mom up on the screen because that woman believed that I was called to go. That was hard on her. And I have a lot of pain because my children didn't get to grow up near their grandma. And it kills me. But I did what I was called to do. And she will still, before she passed, would say, I miss my grandkids, but I know you were doing what God calls you to do. And that's called life. And right now I have a son living in Camden, New Jersey. And doggone it, he better stay there until God sends him somewhere else. He better not try to come back here for me. If he does that, he is not honoring the Lord. So there, I made my point. What's the next one? <laughs> the world measures our children by their accomplishments and God measures them by their holiness. Look at that, parents. Look at it closely. This world is so accomplishment-driven, and I want to just remind you, when they get to the pearly gates, uh, the pamphlets, the awards, the things that hang around their neck, the trophies, you're, you're not going to get to the pearly gates and have five trophies and go, but look, Peter, <laughs> let me in. Uh, trophies won't matter. And I'm a sports guy, so let me, I'm going I'm to talk about something here for just a second. Because I think Jesus and Mary, one of the things I love about watching their life is they just kept Jesus focused on serving. And he mentored him. He trained him to be a carpenter, Dad did. But that what, he didn't say, Jesus, maybe this Savior thing, why don't you, you're, a good, you're good with wood. <laughs> no, he let Jesus do what he was called to do, even though it meant he was going to die. And I, I want to just say to you today... Um, this whole idea of celebrating their accomplishments is awesome. Some of you have some very gifted children, crazy gifted. Even I love sports. Someone going to sport. I love sports. I know today the Cavs start their trek to try to get back to the Warriors who play tomorrow night, and the Warriors are going to win again. And I, I follow sports closely. I'm into all that. I know a lot of stuff, and I'll tell you something. Sports is not the main thing in the world. And pick your thing, whatever it is. It's not the main thing. The main thing for me is to just every now and then say to my, I say it all the time to my children. Hey, you love the Lord, right? You're growing in him, right? When my children say to me, dad, I do. I love Jesus more than I ever have. They can give me no greater joy. Because holiness and growing in God is what matters. And I, all I can do is keep talking about that. And there's some of you, I'm, I, if I can just say it to you parents, I, I love you, but will you listen to me? Some of you have trophyitis and you have really gifted kids and, and now you've got all these teams they can get on and kind of to be the professional, you've got to do this, 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 and this. Can I just say to you, will you please, even though your child is very gifted, will you not lose your family over those trophies? Will, will you not let it consume you because our world is pushing it more and more and more? And I'm just saying to you, wisdom is what builds a house, not trophies. And those letters can go to Steve too. Number six point, <laughs> teach them that true greatness comes through humility. Uh, if I were Joseph and Mary, there's one passage today we read in our Bible that would be my favorite passage to read, and that's Philippians 2. Jesus, though God, did not consider equality with something to be grasped. Instead, he laid down his life. I'm going to take a moment here for a second. I don't usually brag. You say, Dan, right after trophies, you're going to brag? I am. And I'm, I think I'm doing it in holiness. Watch. So my son here, who I've hassled this morning, um, 
probably seven, eight years ago, he came down with something that has yet to be diagnosed. He, he's sitting here today. If you come up to him, he's not one to draw attention to it. In fact, he's going to be frustrated at me that he even said all this. Um, he has a health issue that he cannot figure out. It's been painful to watch. I would take it. I have prayed at night. Lord, will you give it to me? I'm older. Let him go. He's 30-something. Let him go enjoy his young life. And my son, in the last about year and a half, I saw him resign himself to accepting that he probably will never know what's wrong with him. He's been to Mayo, so don't, don't go over to him and say, have you been? Don't, it'll drive him nuts. You can pray for him. So in the last year and a half, um, I watched him come to grips with it more. I watched him through pain. I, I can tell when he's hurting, and I don't talk about it a lot because it um, doesn't help. And this year, uh, he wrote a little book called Journeying with Pain. I asked him for permission to say this because he does not like publicity. Journeying with Pain, Finding Hope When You Don't Find Any Answers. It's his little book right here. What God's taught him about seeking the Lord more when you can't figure your life out. Through humility, the Lord has allowed him to do this. This little book, I, you know, if you're here and you're really healthy and doing great, you, you might enjoy this book, but there's probably 10% of you in here deal with something chronic you can't ever overcome. And people who read this, I mean, they'll come to me going, thank your, thank your son for writing that book. That's my life, man. That's my life. See, see here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. This, this looks like a trophy. It's not a trophy. Alan would say that. It's just, it's a, it's just a dumb book. But I want to tell you something. God used the pain of Alan's life because he accepted it. Hear that little phrase. My son has accepted that this is probably my life. And if you're here and you're one of those faith healers and you say, disbelief, will you please not? Can you please not? You can go watch television preachers, but I'm, I live in the real world. And until I get to heaven, I believe we're going to deal with pain on this earth. And if you're here and you don't have any pain, you're not going to connect with me because I'm a dude who I deal with a lot of earthly pain. And the funny part is most of my Bible heroes dealt with a lot of earthly pain too. If you're here today and your life ain't perfect, um, I'm so thrilled that my son might have, it's out there, might have something if you read it, might encourage you a little bit because I don't want you to give up hope. And it's through humility, it's through our surrender, it's through our pain, it's through our sacrifice that the Lord uses our life. And you're here today and, and you say, Dan, I'm dealing with so much crap in my life and so much pain. And I would say to you, just humbly say, Jesus, use me in the middle of my stuff. And it's through pain and hurt, and sorrow, that God can touch someone else's life. And I challenge you to embrace the spot you're in today as a parent. You say, Dan, I have a wayward. Dan, I have this. Dan, I have a child. I don't even know where they are. I have a, my son, it's Mother's Day, and I won't even get a call. I am so stinking sorry. I hug you today and tell you I am so sorry. But if you will go to the Lord in that spot. I promise you he will use your life in some way. Everything I have faced as a parent, <laughs> if you had told me when I was a youth pastor here years ago that I would go through some of the things I've gone through in life, I would have looked at you and said, not me. You're looking at a dude that has been, I feel like, to hell and back. And the crazy part is I give testimony and glory to the Lord. I'm a better man today than I feel I've ever been in my life, not because of me, but because the Lord has humbled me. 
And it is through hurt. It is through humility that sometimes we grow. And I challenge you today, celebrate when you have a child who shows humility. It is something that God will use. In the last part of that verse I started, the very beginning with the little fortune cookie is, if you use wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, the Lord calls our home, our children, rare and beautiful treasures. I want to make a point here. Ethan, can you bring your little baby up here to me for a second? E-man, can you bring your baby up here a second? He didn't know I was doing this. He's looking at me. Sorry, man. What, what's your little girl's name? Olivia. Olivia, okay, cool. Can I hold her? You stay right here. Can I hold her a second? Is that okay? Yeah. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? Everyone else holds her too. Oh, but I thought he was going to say no, you're hesitant. But, um, <laughs> so this is Olivia. How old is she? Uh, two months. Two months old. So when Olivia was born, I'll stop so they can see you. They don't want to see me. They want to see Ooh, that light's bright, isn't it? I thought, and the same thing everybody else does. But um, when she was born, when she was in the nursery, and, and when they first got her in the nursery, I can tell you what happened when they brought her out of the nursery, and they were showing her to everybody. I can tell you what happened. Oh, what a little treasure, because that's what they are. Look at this little treasure. She's used to her mom singing up here, and now she's going to be up here someday too, probably. She's a treasure. We got no problem looking at children this age and calling them a treasure because they are. Ethan, you can come back and get her. Thank you. Thank you. I think she's about to scream, so it's good. <laughs> she's a treasure. She's a treasure. So, so fast forward, not Olivia, but maybe your child. Maybe you can relate. So here's the thing about two months old. You ready? They become 16-year-olds. So one night, you don't know where they are. They're not there. Here, here's, I want to tell you, here's what parents don't do. You don't walk through your house when you have a 16-year-old you can't find. You aren't walking through your house going, where is that treasure? You're not thinking that. <laughs> There's another T word, but it ain't treasure. Where is that trouble? I want to show you something. Here's something I have learned. Listen to me very carefully. Whatever your child is going through, two months, two years, 16 years, 17 years, 52, not even speaking to you today, wherever they are, watch this. I want you to understand what's the phrase that's coming up on the screen. It's real important. Treasure is anything that brings you closer to Christ. Some of you today are living in a treasure moment because your child is not here today. And you're a mom who didn't sleep last night thinking about just getting through today because you won't even hear from your kid. And you've turned to the Lord, and I would tell you, ah, maybe God used that child to be a treasure again. It's painful. In the movie, The Passion of the Christ, there's a moment where Mary, um, whew, I get chills. She, she rounds the corner, and Jesus is carrying a cross, and he's bleeding. And he falls on the ground with the weight of the cross. And Mary, 
Mary runs because she comes around the corner and sees him because he's walking down the street. And Mary, the mom, sees him and she starts running and, and she goes over to the cross and she kneels down. And just for a moment, if you remember the movie, there's a flashback of her when he was five. And he had fallen off a wall. And moms, when their kids are five and they fall, they run and they go, are you okay? Let me kiss it. Let me help you. Oh, you got a little blood in that scrape. And a mom's kiss on that little blood supposedly heals it. And here was Mary flashing back, remembering Jesus at five, and now remembering him at 33. And he's fallen. He can't get up. And she kneels and says, are you okay? And he said, I'm all right, mom. Mom's love always And the beautiful part of that story is Mary was a faithful mom when he was five and she was a faithful mom when he was 33. And just like Mary, I have a challenge for you moms and I have a challenge for you dads. Let them see Jesus in you. Let them see Jesus. When they roll me up someday on my final day, it's all over. They'll probably cremate me because that'll be cheaper. Whatever they choose, I don't care. I won't be here. I won't care. Whatever they do to me, when they roll me up or sit me in a little urn, I hope my kids look at the urn and go, he was faithful, flawed, screwed up, messed up, but faithful. <laughs>